This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Open for Business. This is the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs, uh, business leaders, researchers, that kind of thing. And in today's world, it's, it's hard to kind of understand how fast technology has grown in various business sectors. And now um, it's become a necessity for companies to integrate modern tech into their daily operations, obviously, whether it's having robots in manufacturing or, or of course, the usage of AI, and it's a topic we've been discussing at length uh, over the past couple of years. One of the pioneers in the AI space is uh, Neuromatics. They're a Malaysian-based technology service provider, and since their establishment in 2002, Neuromatics have conducted various research uh, to develop and commercialize artificial neural network technologies powered by a neural engine called Neurobase. So this company has continued to advocate the study and understanding of the human brain with a focus to enable the development of naturally intelligent systems and machines. Sounds fascinating, but how are they able to do it 20 years ago and beyond that? And what's the future looking like for this company to keep up with the rapid advancement of modern day tech? Helping me to unpack all of this and more on today's Open for Business is Abdul Karim Herkus, founder and managing director of Neuromatics. And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts or questions, you can get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899, and reach out to us on X. We are at PFM Radio. Um, Karim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to get you here in the studio. Now, we had a brief chat outside in the pantry. Uh, and my, my, I guess my question really is, my first one is, what was your rationale originally from getting into, for getting into this space? To get into AI. Mm. Well, I suppose it happened when my son was born in 1974. Yeah. And it was very challenging to see how does a baby start to learn their first movements, their first words, their first sounds, and trying to understand what is human intelligence and how does it work? Yeah. And how do we grow from a baby and learn to walk after 12 months and so forth? The amount of information we get as a baby is very small. It's not gigabytes or terabytes. It's your mother and father talking to you a few words mm. every hour or so, and yet you still learn um, to recognize words and to learn to start to talk. So it doesn't need gigaterabytes of data for a baby to learn how to interpret things, to look at a ball, to look at a cat, to start speaking. Yeah. So what is human intelligence or how does it learn? This was... I suppose the fundamental question. And so in thinking about that, I basically came up with an algorithm that said, okay, and related it to human intelligence in the aspect of learning. And the key aspect of intelligent learning for humans is sequence, sequential information. And Everything we do or learn is a sequence of events. So if we talk about hearing, we hear a sequence of sounds. Mm -hmm. If we hear music, it's a sequence of notes. 
if we're speaking, we're uttering a sequence of words. And if we're moving or playing badminton or kicking a ball, it's a sequence of muscle movements to perform an action. Yeah. So every, everything is a sequence of events. And then people will say, well, what about vision? So if you go and study human vision, human vision is not a 4 HD or a 4 megapixel picture. Human vision has neurons in the photoreceptors in the eye that look at things like contrast. Yeah. And by looking at contrast, you can get edges of images to identify shapes. The other thing very common in, in human eyes is what they call saccadic eye movements. So whenever we look at something, we're unaware that our eye is actually moving every 10 milliseconds and looking at different points of the image to interpret features. So when we look at a face, we look at the nose, the eyes, the mouth, the ears, the hair, and looking at a dozen features, we can interpret that face and say, I recognize that person or otherwise. Mm. So even eyesight in humans is a sequence of events, mm -hmm. which is a sequence of features. So all of intelligence or human intelligence appears to can be broken down to sequences of events. And that's the basis of our neurobase. So our neurobase is our own uh, interpretation of a neural network where we link together events in sequences and from that we can learn uh, sequences of events and associate them or integrate with each other in order to give a semblance of intelligence or analytics. So 50 years ago, yes, when you started this, uh, w w was there a was it even a business idea back then? Or oh, not at all. It was not, just not like, I want to understand how this happened. It was just a, a, a research idea right. that, that I programmed on a tiny computer with 6,000 neurons. Well, what computer was that? That was then uh, a Nova, right. Data General Nova computer. So well, that wasn't 74. That was, uh, no, sorry. That was yeah, about that time, 74. Yeah, 64,000 neurons. 6,000 neurons, 64K bytes. Right. And now we don't talk about 64K bytes anymore. We don't even talk about 64 megabyte anymore. Yeah. Now we talk 64 gigabytes yeah, yeah, yeah. on a phone, you know. I think um, the first computer I ever had was a, a Sinclair Spectrum mm. ZX81 that had 40K. Yeah, yeah, Zilog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was having to program, uh, mm. I remember having to program in games that I wanted to play that day. Yes. And the second that you unplug the power from it, the game's gone. The game's gone. Yeah. You spend the next day reprogramming it. So you're programming in basic A. And that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That takes me back a little bit. Yes. Now, I, I guess, did you come to a, resu a, a resolution then? You know, No, I think it was satisfaction that right. I, I only did that time language. Yeah. So we took about 2,000 sentences from a Charlie Brown dictionary that said, Lucy is sitting on the fan on the chair, and yeah. Charlie Brown is in the park, and we put all these English sentences into the neural network, and then we could put in words like Lucy slash play slash Charlie slash park, and our model would generate a sentence to say Lucy is playing 
with Charlie Brown in the park mm. so it could express itself mm. so basically the, the neural model we developed then had what we call expression capability uh, much as ChatGPT today will take and express ideas yeah. uh, and we had that in 1974 uh, on a very simple model with just 6,000 neurons yeah. hold that thought I need to take a short break Folks, I'm here in the studio uh, with uh, Abdul Karim Herkus. He's the founder and managing director of uh, Neuromatics. We'll be right back after these messages. Please don't go anywhere. This is Open for Business on BFM 89.9. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Big, friendly, matcha. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Open for Business. I'm speaking with Abdul Karim Herkus, founder and managing director at Neuromatics. Um, Karim, I just want to go back a little bit. Um, 1974, 50 years ago, um, you're looking at algorithms and programming in, in uh, a time before most people would even understand what artificial intelligence is or even have an interest in it at all. Tell me a little bit about your background. My background before 1974, uh, I was a major in computer science right. from Monash University, Australia. Yeah. And I was under... Uh, a scholarship from the Department of Defense in Australia. And after after graduating, then I went to work for the Department of Defense. Um, that would have been 71, 72, yeah. that, that time frame. Um, and subsequent to that, I then came to Malaysia at the end of 70, in 1972 uh, as a lecturer in IT, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because... I wanted to leave Australia, come to Asia. The plan was that I would travel overland to Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Afghanistan, Iran, and UK, and spend a year just traveling. Yeah. Um, but I thought, okay, maybe what I'll do, it'll be a working holiday. So I thought maybe I can get uh, a few months' work in Malaysia. So I wrote a letter to, at that time, the head of ITM Institute Technology, Maura, uh, to say, could I get a job as a temporary lecturer uh, teaching IT? Uh -huh. um, I never got a reply. Doesn't matter. I bought my ticket. I flew to Malaysia and stayed with a few friends. And after a week, I think, I went to visit uh, now known as Tansri Asharai, who, who was the head of um, ITM. Yeah. Based in PJ, Old yeah. Town, yeah. not in, not out in Charlam. Uh -huh. you know. So went and met the secretary, and you got to realize this is 1972, and I was what 23, 24 years old at that time, and met met the secretary and said I want to meet and talk with Tanshuyash and Ayub about working. No, the the first thing I met him, he said, "I'm sorry, but we only accept Malay students here." And I said, I'm not coming as a student. I want to come as a lecturer. Uh -huh. So we sat down and we talked and um, he called the secretary and 
said, didn't we get a letter from this guy? Yeah. And the secretary said, yes, we replied yesterday to offer him a job. <laughs> so they'd send a letter off me. I was already there in his office within Brilliant. 24 hours. So <laughs> how did he get here so fast? Yeah, huh? yeah exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was nice. So that was, I think I arrived in May and he said, okay, we'll arrange for you to get a car loan and... Um, Fixed me up with a contract for one year, mm. which I wasn't very happy about. I wanted six months, but I took a year. Mm. And he said, now, that was in May, he said, go and drive the car around Malaysia, have a holiday and come back in July and start lecturing, which is what I did. So it was it was a wonderful beginning of a lecturing career in yeah. Malaysia. How long were you lecturing for that? Are you still lecturing? Uh, okay, at the moment, I'll come, I'll come back to that then. But... Lecturing then, I lectured for four years, from right. 72 uh, right through to 73, 4, 75. Um, and that was the IT course in, in Mara, and it was the first IT course in the whole of Malaysia as a diploma course. Uh, at that time, I was also lecturing University of Malaya as a subject in IT. Um, but Mara were the first institute in the whole of Malaysia to have a diploma in computer science. So I helped pioneer that and, and be the principal lecturer. Um, in terms of after 74, I moved to Sabah and worked with the Sabah state government on implementing IT projects mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of years. Then I moved back to KL and then together with my wife in 78, we formed a, a computer company to do computer software development and and work on projects for various agencies from banking, insurance, uh, finance, uh, housing construction. We did a huge amount of software projects. You were right there at the beginning. I was there at the beginning, if you like, yes. Yeah. Um, and that went on until probably 88, or 10 years of our own company doing software development projects, small company. Yeah. Um, and then in 88, I joined uh, PLUS as the IT manager for uh, the PLUS Highway. Mm -hmm. So that involved all aspects of IT. We did the accounting systems, the payroll systems, the toll systems, uh, geographical information systems on the highway, 100% um, and implemented all that across uh, for Plus. Mm. So that was as IT manager for Plus for two years. And, well, not two years, sorry. Joined in 88 and that went on for seven years until 95 uh, when the highway was basically finished, yeah, the North-South Highway. Um, at that time, I left and together under Renong, we formed Terrace Technology, uh, which is touch and go. Yeah. So I designed the hardware and software uh, for the touch and go card. And I started a company with three people and we built it up to a hundred staff uh, very quickly. And within two years, we had completed all the hardware development software for the toll, for buses and for trains. Why have you not been here and interviewed before? I am <laughs> astounded that nobody has spoken with you before. Yeah, so we did that and that was that. 
and and then I sold down my share of the company back to as what I UEM, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And that that was in ninety seven, ninety eight. I sold back my share of the company, and and then I think I relaxed for a year's holiday and decided that wasn't worth it, and I want to go back into yeah um, work. So we formed the Neuromatics in. 2001, 2002. I mean, I was doing research on it at home first. Yeah. And we decided to form the company in 2002 to look at the algorithm which I had developed in 1974. So it just kind of sat there for a little while. It sat there for nearly 20 years, um, more. It must have been niggling in the back of your brain the whole time. I was there all the time, but it was 30 years of just sitting there. Yeah. And I reactivated it because... It was the time of the human genome, yeah. 2003. Yeah. And everyone was asking questions. What's the DNA, the human genome? Is it a language? Yeah. Does it have patterns in it? And how do we map it? And has it got a structure, yeah. et cetera? Yeah. So I said, my algorithm is perfect for that because DNA is a sequence of ACTGs. Yeah. And so I went back, dug up my old programs and rewrote them to look at genetic data and using phone lines to sort of go beep, 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 you know. I do. Downloaded the whole human genome that took like two weeks, I think, um, three gigabyte of data. And I started analyzing it with my algorithms and said, look, let's form a company to, because I was already finding patterns in the data. Um, And we did. We found lots of patterns in the data. And then... We were talking to investors, said, what are some of the patterns you found? And we gave them, and they said, these don't mean anything. Well, they didn't mean anything then, but in 2008, a lot of the patterns we discovered, people are saying, oh, these are protein motifs, or these are microRNAs. And suddenly, what we had discovered five, six years earlier uh, was relevant again. Mm. But at the time, no one... They didn't, they didn't even know what it was. They didn't know what these patterns were, and they yeah. had no biological significance at that time, so... Um, that's the way the world works. Yeah. yeah. You have to prove something first. Yeah. And convince them with evidence that it is a known motive, you know. So things like zinc fingers, we found six, seven years before anyone else found a zinc finger motive. Yeah. Uh, and yet we didn't know what it was because we're not biologists. We're just ad- right. data analysts. And you've got nothing for, to kind of refer to previously. Nothing, nothing to refer to. So we're just data analysts. Ah. So. That was our first venture using the algorithm, mm. was into genetic analysis. Okay. And we formed a company to do that, which instead of calling neuromatics, we called cinematics, which was meant to represent syntax and semantics um, of a language. Yeah. And, and we started developing software for genetic analysis. Um, and we exported the software a lot to the States, um, to Switzerland, to... UK. So in the States, we hang have... Hang on, hang on. And this is a Malaysian company. It's 100% Malaysian company. Just like Terras Technology. Yeah. Terras Touch and Go. Yeah. 100% Malaysians developed all the technology, all the hardware. Yeah. Not foreigners, uh, except for if you consider me a foreigner. But I, I think the amount of the length of time you've stayed here, you're as much as a Malaysian as most Malaysians. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but it just shows Malaysia can, you know yeah. what they say, Malaysia bole. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we have that expertise to put together and teamwork, we can develop anything. So okay. we did, and we developed genetic software. We sold it to the WashU Genome Center. We did work with the Brigham Women's Hospital and Harvard University. 
we did work with the Bioinformatics Institute in Arizona, the national one in U.S., and we were about to start doing work with DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency in U.S., and then we got told that U.S. was changing their regulations, so protectionism, yeah. that they could only use software developed by U.S. companies. Right. So we had a choice. We had to either move the company to U.S., and then they would buy our software, or not. Mm. And I wasn't interested in moving to U.S., so we stayed put in Malaysia, and we stopped selling software to uh, U.S. at that point. Hold that thought. I need to take another short break. Folks, I'm here in the studio, of course, with uh, Karim. He is the uh, founder and managing director at Neuromatics. You are listening, of course, to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Billions from me. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm still here in the studio with uh, Karim Abdul, uh, sorry, Abdul Karim Herkus. He's the founder and managing director at Neuromatics. We ended up a cliffhanger. Um, you didn't want to move to the U.S., yeah, with our genetics company. Yeah. I mean, my wife's Malaysian and my children, and yeah. I'm I'm happy here. It's a great country. Of course. And uh, we enjoy it. Um, so we stayed here and, and stopped selling software overseas. And then we set up another company to provide services. So we provided basically free genetic analysis worldwide on the internet um, and did various projects. And then in 2007, I think, we got a project with Sam Darby to sequence the palm oil genome. So this was involves terabytes of data, sequenced data, which was sequenced overseas, but we did all the analysis bioinformatics for Sam Darby and developed the palm oil genome. Hmm. And that was completed within two years by 2009. Um, and since that time, of sequencing the palm oil genome, Simon Dabi have been able to increase their yield of palm oil over 20%, uh, which is worth billions of dollars to yeah. them, uh, 20%. So that was a very successful project for us um, in genetic analysis. Then we moved on and, and had Malaysian Genomics Company, which we listed. Uh, I won't say it made a fortune for shareholders, but most shareholders who came in would have at least broken even over yeah. the years. And we sold that company together with Cinematics in 2020, I think, and 21, uh, basically because myself and my wife felt it's time to start retiring. And my personal interest was to keep going on neuromatics and AI yeah. and not on healthcare. Yeah. Um, so also back in 2007, we formed another company we called Linguomatics. And its goal was, my wife drove that company, was to provide free translation from English to Malay and Malay back to English. Um, it was like a service to Malay students overseas who are maybe not competent in English. Yeah. They could translate research papers or textbooks into Bahasa and then read it and understand it. And this was using AI, was this it? This was using our neuro-based oh, okay. neuro technology. So. Yeah. 
we have a very huge corpus of English Malay, what we call parallel text, uh, which we developed at that time, 2007-2008. And we were very successful. We were providing translation English Malay both directions. We had English Chinese as well. Um, again, we talked to U.S. did approach us to come to U.S. and develop an English Chinese translation for uh, one of their departments, CIA or whatever, you know. So we didn't, of course. Of course. Um, but we were having 6,000 translations a day or more on, on our website. We called it chitchat.com, spelled C-I-T-C-A-T. Mm. Um, and it was very successful. Most of it was used by local lawyers mm. um, because we had downloaded parallel text of all the law cases and law journals. And that was part of our corpus. Right. Um, so we provided a free service. It was very successful. And then Google came out with Google Translate and English Malay. And it was so easy to use. And people just click and say, Google says, do you want to translate? You say, yes, there. There you go. The point is, the fact was, we were still 5% more accurate than Google. Mm. Um, but the ease of use meant people use Google and didn't come to ChitChat. Mm. So we actually basically closed down ChitChat five years ago, I think, because the interest dropped from 6,000 translations a day down to 10 or 20 a day. So that was the end of that company. Mm. But uh, we, we provided a good service for a few years. Yeah. And as I said, we have a huge corpus on Malay language um, and English language and parallel tags. Uh, so it's something that might be of interest to anyone who wants to develop a Malay chat GPT or something that we have corpus data uh, available. I'm there. sure that would yeah. be interesting. Okay, so neuromatics now. Now I'm back. Uh, yes. let, let's come to now. What, what are you doing now? So, as I said, in, in the 20s, in 2020, we sold off yeah. some of our companies the objective was to focus on neuromatics, AI, yeah. which is my pet interest, my pet, you know, love of life is AI. Yeah. Um, so we said, look, let's continue with some of our AI research and development. Um, not to say we had stopped it. We had continued research under neuromatics always since 2004. But the focus was more on spinning out neuro-based to other technologies like genetic analysis, mm -hmm. language translation. And I think about 2010, 11, we said, okay, let's use our algorithm for robotic control systems where we're controlling robots with muscle movements, with sequential muscle movements. And we did that. We did projects. Uh, we had a, a research grant from MDEC at that stage, uh, which helped us to develop robotic control systems. We also did work on vision. Uh, we did work on sound location, directional location, like bats, bats do for radar. Yeah. Um, lots of interesting projects we did, but they're all R&D, not, not making commercial products. So, and even today, my focus is a lot on R&D that we're saying, can we have sequential intelligence and integrate it all together uh, to come up with maybe artificial general intelligence. And that's been the direction we've had. Uh, what is interesting, we've patented our algorithms uh, too early because we patented them in 2004. And these relate to algorithms I developed in 74. Right. So 30, what, 30 years later, we actually got patents and they were approved worldwide, Europe, US, Malaysia. 
Uh, unfortunately, our patents have only got another year left. Oh, no. <laughs> they run out. Yeah. But it's okay because we're going to ring fence uh, a couple new patents that we have. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be fine. So, so Neurobase now then, uh, uh, how is it being used? Where we are using, well, we're developing a new product at the moment. We call a sandbox. Yeah. An AI sandbox that uses Neurobase. Uh, for data analytics, for natural language processing. Um, but we're also providing a sandbox that provides interfaces to other people's algorithms like speech-to-text or uh, convolutional neural networks yeah. for learning. So we're developing a multimodal application for students to learn and understand AI um, without linking them to a specific provider. Mm. So you can go to Microsoft and Azure and everything they give you on a download, no code learning is all their products. Mm. Or you can go to Google and they have their products and you can go to someone else. We're trying to integrate them all together. So we have a chat GPT in our sandbox, but we can choose are we using chat GPT or we're using Bard or we're using, you know, whichever one, um, whichever one we yeah. give users a choice. And the same with convolutional neural networks, they can choose TensorFlow or PyTorch or Keras and, and put in test data and run it. So, and we've got vision there as well, using our algorithms for vision detection and salient points for saccadic eye movement. And we've got edges, edge detection. So we've been doing a lot of research work um, that applies across the full scope of human intelligence. Um, we have done projects in Europe on image recognition for houses that we can take a photo of a house and we can tell you what age it is and when it was built. And we're more accurate than TensorFlow uh, using our algorithms in combination with uh, TensorFlow. Mm. Um, and we've done work with US OEM manufacturers where we've put our algorithms into computer chips for controlling of... Um, machines. If you think of things, whether it's a vacuum cleaner or the washing machine or toaster, they all need uh, a little bit of AI, not necessarily a lot, but if you have a washing machine, you have to control the spin cycle. Even the refrigerator so doesn't change you to like, you know. Exactly. Right, right. You know, so we've done some work with UEM or US UEM yeah. to put, uh, so not UEM, USA's companies, uh, OEM. OEMs. Um, yeah to put intelligence in some of their chips for right. control. Um, now, you see, when I speak to, to companies who have, you know, businesses like yours, you know, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll come in, they'll create a company, uh, they hope to get acquired at some point, mm -hmm. and then they hope to exit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, sit on their money yeah. pile, as it were. Yeah. Uh, but you've been doing this for over 50 years. And 20 years. Well, well, well the algorithm 50, the algorithm, but 50, the company 20 yeah. years. Yeah. But you, you don't seem to be the kind of person who wants to slow down or who wants to be acquired because, and I completely understand this, you, I think I understand this at least anyway, you have so many interests in so many different fields that, you know, AI can be used in. Exactly. That the necessity to sit down and do nothing is, is something that I, I guess is an anathema to you. You don't. Well, yeah, I mean, it, if you look at it, fortunately, um, as I said, we closed down some of our subsidiary companies. Yeah. And but for good reason, by the way. And we, we received money for it. Right. So even though since COVID times, um, say from 
20, 21, 22, 23, 20, we've had zero revenue. I still have a dozen staff that we maintain at the office. Yeah. Uh, we're still doing research and development. Um, and we've been fortunately able to finance that. Uh, how, how do you get your financing now? I mean, we've had investors since 2003. Yeah. Uh, subsequent to then, we haven't had any more investors until last year we had someone put in a, a million ringgit. Right. And um, we're looking at someone else this year to put another million ringgit. And this covers our operating costs, basically. Yeah. Um, but the future is bright. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Very bright. Yeah. Especially with what's been happening over the last couple of years. And, yes. And with the track record that you have. Yes. You know, uh, and, and AI being top of mind for almost every single company worldwide right now. Mm, exactly. It seems like finding a million ringgit wouldn't be that difficult. Well, that wasn't, you know, it was, it was existing investors and then one other party. Yeah. yeah. So what, what, what are you, you going to be doing in the, in the future then? What's the next kind of... So we've just about completed signing with a US company on developing a computer chip that uses our algorithm, Insight. So the distinction between our AI and ChatGPT or, or convolution is speed and resources required. So if you look at existing AI technology, um, such as ChatGPT or TensorFlow, um, they've been developed on AI that was first developed in 1950. Yeah. So if you go back to the fifth, 1950, you had a guy called Donald Hebbs who mm. said the human brain works by input, hidden layer, output neurons. And the problem was it was a fully connected neural network that every neuron connected to every other neuron in the next layer. So fully connected neural networks are not something new. Mm. They've existed since 1950s, but they were only three layers since that time. And then you get to now where you have a convolutional neural network, which is basically similar technology, but a hundred layers. So CNNs today go from one layer to two, then you pull events and then you go to another layer and pull again and you can go up to 100 layers. And again, they're fully connected layers. So every neuron in layer six connects to every neuron in layer seven. And this is how they train uh, a neural network to recognize um, images or events and so forth. Mm. But it's a brute force. And as I said at the beginning of our talk, a baby doesn't learn by looking at a hundred thousand cats or a thousand cats. A baby learns to recognize a cat by having one or two cats. A baby learns to recognize a ball with three or four balls. But if you want to train a convolutional neural network, you need 1,000 dogs, 1,000 cats, 1,000 apple, whatever. Um, it's not intelligent. Yeah. AI today is brute force. Yeah. And your leader in brute force is NVIDIA. Yeah. Yeah. So. World's third largest company currently right now. Currently. And then you have Sam Oldman saying now he wants to spend $7 trillion yeah. on GPUs. Yeah. So why do they need to do that? We, we have an algorithm that when we did translation originally, we could translate 20,000 words a second on a PC. At that time... People like Google were translating 2,000 words a minute, and we were 20,000 words a second on a PC. 
And even today, our algorithm is still 100 to 1,000 times faster than using a convolutional neural network. Yeah. Because we're not, in, we're not fully connected every neuron to every other neuron. We are only connect neurons which are sequentially related. So if you say the cat, then the will have a link to cat. That's all. Um, so we're highly efficient. We don't require huge amounts of CPU computation. Um, we don't have to wait every neuron. Um, and we become very efficient. This is why for genetic analysis, we were one of the fastest in the world to do genetic analysis. And this is where we did work for Harvard. Um, they were doing genetic analysis and it was taking with a, a sequence data they wanted to analyze to find genes or proteins in the data it was taking them six months. And someone said to them, well, why not use cinematics? And we took their data and analyzed it in five minutes and gave them the results. <laughs> That's how fast we were. Um, and, wow. and that is why people like Washu Genome Center, et cetera, were using our software uh, for data and our genetic analysis. As I said earlier on, why have we not spoken with you before? <laughs> I don't. I, I'm very low profile, yeah. But I, I You've spoken with my wife many times. Right. But not on neuromatics. Okay, who do we speak with her about? That that Munira was on Soup Kitchen. Uh, yeah, uh, Dewey Soup Kitchen. Okay, yeah. okay. So, and you've kept and very low profile. I then. keep low profile. And then, and then my daughter, I think you've spoken with many times on Free Tree Society. Yes, for sure. By the Jane Hercus, yes. That's my daughter. literally around the corner from where I live. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, I think I have what I need for today. Okay. But I think I'm certainly going to have to have you back at some point um, because this justifies having a lot more in studio time alright okay okay uh, folks um, I have been both astounded and speaking with uh, Abdul Karim Herkus the founder and managing director at Neuromatics um, if you missed any part of this discussion please do listen back to the podcast uh, wherever you normally get it from use uh, the BFM uh, website at bfm.my and of course you can get us uh, on podcast wherever you normally listen to those but I recommend the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play um, yeah I don't know what else to say stick around uh, here on Open for Business on BFM 89.9 The Business Station are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.